You know, for one minute, for one literal minute in the second half, I thought Stanford might be getting back into things against the Beavers. Then the Cardinals' run of buzzard luck continued yet again. Stanford staying in the lost column once more as they can't find a way past the Oregon State Beavers. Tough result, 35-14, the final from Corvallis on Saturday. And that's what we're breaking down on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. Great to have you with uh, some of the Troy Clarity. Thanks for checking us out on the show. Uh, Saturday, check that Sunday, November the 14th, 2021. And Stanford with another loss to try to lick their wounds from and try to get back into it and try to find their way into the win column before the 2021 season is done. You're going to hear from David Shaw, and you're going to hear from Stanford fullback Houston Haymooley. Post-game thoughts uh, from two of those men as they try to sort through everything. And, of course, I'll share with you my thoughts, my analysis, as I sat on my couch and watched all the goings-on uh, from Corvallis. Shout-out to my guys in the Pac-12 Network, J.B. Long and uh, Max Brown. Uh, they're a fantastic job, I really thought, especially, especially uh, Max Brown. Uh, those two uh, did, a, did a terrific job in calling that game, which didn't have a whole lot of drama. But you know what? Hey, that's what we're, here to, we're here to break it all down anyway, drama or not. I'm Troy Clarity, 29th year of, of following Stanford football, season number eight of Pac-12 Network play-by-play. And obviously this is... Never a, a good situation that I like for Stanford to be in around this time of year with the Cardinal heading up to Corvallis. And they were down 14-0 at the half. Then the Beavs got some distance. A simple quick out on third and two turned into a 67-yard touchdown to make it 21-0 early in the third quarter. And for the most part, except for that one minute, Oregon State largely held Stanford off from there to get the 35-14 win. And remember when I wondered aloud about a month or so ago, a little bit more than that, if Stanford-Oregon State would be a pivotal game in the North and help decide the Pac-12 North division? Well, instead, this game punched Oregon State's ticket to the bowl season, its first in eight years, congrats to them, while it also confirmed that, that Stanford will be spending the bowl season sweeping up, cleaning out the garage, and getting ready for 2022. Stanford falls to 3-7 and seven on the season with their fifth consecutive loss. Now, the big subplot for Stanford coming into this one was the quarterback situation. Could Tanner McKee get healthy enough to play with the injury that cost him uh, the Utah game the week before? Well, no, as it turned out. And that meant that Ari Patu would become the first true freshman quarterback to start a game at Stanford since John Pay in 1983, that was a long time ago, and, and the fourth different starting quarterback for Stanford this season. That's a first in school history. Five different quarterbacks have taken snaps for Stanford this season. Who's the fifth guy? Well, we'll tell you about him a bit later on in the show. How did Ari do? We'll tell you that after this brief reminder from Bet Online. Those folks, yes, they are back and better than ever. It's a new web interface for Bet Online for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50. 
that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. We start, as usual, with three things you need to know, specifically this time around on Stanford's Oregon State result. 35-14, the Beavers get the win in Corvallis. So let's start with number one. And we start with Ari Patu and take you through his day as he had a tough start. Uh, you could kind of tell that there wasn't a whole lot of chemistry between he and the wide receivers. Patu just one for six from the start with two yards and an interception. But after that, he got in the rhythm, started to get going a bit, uh, completed six of his next eight passes with an eight-yard touchdown to uh, Ben Urasik to cap that run. But just when he was getting rolling, Patu's afternoon was over. Earlier on that touchdown drive in the third quarter, Patu scrambled 21 yards to the Oregon State 16, but landed on his shoulder slash collarbone. And he finished the drive, but he spent the rest of that drive in discomfort, you could kind of tell something wasn't quite right before eventually leaving the game after the drive was done. David Shaw on Ari's afternoon. Figured, you know, I've played a, in the NFL, played a lot of rookies. Um, college football, played a lot of redshirt freshmen, not a lot of true freshmen. And their first game playing, much like Tanner, they take a little while, they take a little while, and once they get comfortable, then they take off. And I think Ari was just getting there. Made a couple of throws, made a couple of plays with his legs. Uh, and, and I thought it was about to get interesting. Yeah, so after Patu left the game, the next Stanford quarterback to take a snap was Dylan Plotz. More on that later in the show. Let's head on to number two. And entering the game, Oregon State was averaging almost 230 rushing yards per game. That's the most in the Pac-12. That was the most in the Pac-12 entering last week's action. Meanwhile, Stanford was allowing an average of about 232 rushing yards per game, most in the Pac-12 and 127th out of 130 on the FBS level. Given that, during his weekly media Zoom last Tuesday, David Shaw said the squad was going to unveil some adjustments against the Beavers to help stop the run. Well, we saw that main adjustment right away. A four-man front with uh, Gabe Reed normally playing outside linebacker, but now dropping down into a three-point stance and getting on the line of scrimmage and uh, playing in the trenches with the other three guys. So a four-man front for Stanford, and in a lot of ways, the results against the run were better. The scheme certainly seemed to help. The tackling? Ugh. David Shaw with his thoughts on Stanford going with the four-man front and how things turned out. Honestly, I thought we played much better than we played a week ago. Uh, we did change up our front, um, allowed our guys to be aggressive. Um, I thought we had a lot of opportunities to make plays on the defensive side. Uh, the, the missed tackles really kill us. The missed tackles. Uh, there weren't a lot of wide-open lanes for those guys to run through. Um, we squeezed a lot of those holes much better than we did a week ago. Um, but we had too many opportunities, you know, just five off the top of my head, that if we make those tackles, it's either third and long or it's second and long, uh, or, or we're getting off the field, a couple on third down. We had a chance to get guys on the ground, and we didn't get them on the ground. Um, so that, that's the thing. As far as effort, as far as schematically what we did, I thought it was an improvement from a week ago. But like I said earlier, we're not just about improvement. We're trying to win. Yeah, if you told me before the game that B.J. Baylor, the Beavers' big bruising back, would only get 80 yards 
on 23 carries and that his longest rush would only be eight yards against Stanford, man, I would have taken that the heartbeat sold. How much money do you need for me? I would have loved that. And Oregon State had only four running plays of 10 yards or longer. Their longest run was just 22 yards. But Oregon State still racked up 218 yards on the ground. That's still way too high. So while Utah gashed Stanford all night long a couple weeks ago, this game against the Beavers was more like death by paper cuts. Let's wrap up three things with number three. And after largely disappearing in the previous couple weeks, we did see signs of improvement in Stanford's running game against Oregon State. Austin Jones was actually having a pretty nice third quarter, and then he fumbled an option pitch by Isaiah Sanders that was recovered by the Beavers. But there were some moments. We, we just mentioned that Oregon State had four running plays of 10-plus yards. Stanford actually had five. They actually outnumbered the Beavers in that category, including a well-blocked 18-yard burst for Nathaniel Peet that went for Stanford's second and final touchdown in the fourth quarter. Stanford fullback Houston Haymooley after the game on what went into the Cards' rushing performance in Corvallis. It was it really just came down to our hyper focus this weekend intensity. Um, again, you probably want people you're not always there at the practices and probably didn't feel it or, or, or know, but um, we had a great week of practice when it came to um, how we we figured out our run game um, and trusting the coaches and, and their game planning and. Uh, what they want to do schematically. So for us, it's more about improving on my own responsibility you know, as a fullback, from a tackle, from a guard, from a center standpoint, um, marrying that together and, and trusting in this game and trusting each other. Yeah, the numbers still won't wow you, but Stanford's 136 yards rushing were its highest output since the Oregon game, the first weekend in October. So nice to see Stanford's running game show, show some signs of life and a bit more consistency than than it had really shown really for the past five weeks or so. Nice to see. Still not quite enough. Those are three things. Some numbers of note from Stanford's perspective mostly. Arya Patu, before leaving the game midway through the third quarter, finished 7-14 to 14 passing for just 51 yards uh, with a touchdown and an interception. He did add 31 yards rushing as well. Uh, Isaiah Sanders, the leading rusher for the Cardinal, 9 carries, 37 yards. Austin Jones, 10 carries, 36 yards. Nathaniel Pete. Uh, four carries for 35 yards. Mike Wilson, the leading the leading receiver, with uh, five grabs for 50 yards. Defensively, Jacob Mangum Ferraro with 12 tackles all told. Gabe Reed had eight tackles, three TFLs. That's tackles for loss. He also had an unfortunate personal foul that led to Oregon State's uh, final touchdown. But by then, the game was was pretty much well decided. Uh, Oregon State's quarterback, Chance Nolan, 19-25, 257 yards passing. And he actually started 15 of 17. So uh, no Caillou Blue Kelly uh, as he was out of this game uh, for the uh, Cardinal and, uh, Stan- and Oregon State. Uh, certainly seemed to pick apart uh, or this, uh, the, the Stanford secondary throughout much of the game. Uh, injuries. Uh, besides Patu, uh, right tackle Branson Bragg left the game in the first quarter with a lower body injury. Uh, EJ Smith tried to go but couldn't. Uh, so a bit of a hit in the uh, Stanford running back uh, room. No Elijah Higgins. No Ricky Miazon, an inside linebacker. And no Tucker Fisk either, the tight end slash defensive end as well. So uh, Patu, Bragg, Smith, Higgins, Miazon, Fisk, 
on top of that, Caillou Blue Kelly. And oh, by the way, Tanner McKee. And probably a couple other guys that are missing out uh, on right now. Casey Filkins. Uh, let's, let's throw him in that mix, too. Well, well, any John Humphreys was back. That was nice. It was good to see him him back in the mix and uh, got a quick uh, early target uh, early on in that game. It was good to see him back finally for the first time since Arizona State. But Stanford still well shorthanded. Will any or all of those guys who weren't able to go against uh, the Beavers this time around be back for a big game next week? Who knows? We'll, we'll start to learn a little bit more about that situation uh, likely uh, during uh, David Shaw's next weekly media Zoom, scheduled for Tuesday late morning. On this game, the key sequence came in the third quarter after Stanford had just given up a, a, a touchdown at the very end of the first half to make it 14 nothing. It was 7 nothing for a lot longer than it probably should have been. Beavers committing penalty after penalty that really prevented them from taking flight um, in the first half. But key sequence came in the third quarter after Stanford had scored to make it 21-7 after Patu hitting Ben Urostic, who was dragging along the line of scrimmage and then turned it up for an eight-yard score. Right after that, Beavs ball, Lavani Damuni makes a big stick that stopped the Beavers short. Well, Actually, it was initially ruled a first down, but uh, fortunately it got challenged and the Beavers came up two feet short. I mean, I, I could see that with my with my naked eye from here. Corvallis is what, like 700 miles away as, as I drive? Maybe not quite that far, but you, you get what I mean. Uh, Beavers came up two feet short. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State's head coach, decided to go for it. Fourth and two feet at his own 34. And Gabe Reed snuffed it out. No game. Turnover on downs, and suddenly Stanford back in it and a score away from being a score away. Uh, I, I, I could see why Jonathan Smith went for it in that situation. I was still shocked that he actually did, given the field position. And for a minute, I thought the window was there. But, oh, hang on. Let me, let me sit back down here. This, this might, be about to, might be about to take a turn. And, and it did, just not quite the turn I was expecting because all of a sudden I hear my man J.B. Long calling the game on the Pac-12 Network and telling us that Dylan Plotz was in the game at quarterback for Stanford. I went, wait, what, huh, what? Plotz, the senior walk-on from Omaha who hadn't played in the game since the 2018 Sun Bowl was in for Ari Patu, who had gone to the medical tent uh, to clo after closing out that touchdown drive. Uh, with what turned out to be the, the injury that knocked him out for the rest of the game. Stanford welcomed Plotz to the game by committing a false start penalty. Thanks. Then after underthrowing one to Bryce Farrell on second and 14, Plotz underthrew one to Mike Wilson that got picked off at the Oregon State 20 and immediately thwarting that potential threat. Beeves then turned that around and drove 80 yards for a touchdown, and that was largely that. To me, it was certainly a surprise to see Plotz making his debut in that specific situation, Isaiah Sanders had been sprinkled in throughout the game, and Jack West was on the sidelines. After the game, I got Shaw's thoughts on putting plots in at that time. Uh, those are all tough calls. Every call is a tough call. And uh, when they work, they work great. Uh, when they don't, they don't. Um, the big issue is we came out there and we got a penalty on the first play, so we got back to first and 15. Um, it's one of the biggest indicators of all of, of not getting a first down is an offensive penalty. So you get one on first and 15. Now, now you're behind the, now you're behind the sticks. You're on their fourth quarterback. 
uh, becomes difficult uh, to come back and get a first down. You know, and you can second guess anything. That's fine. I'm open to it. It's not a big deal for me. I'll take it. Um, but when you're down to your 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 backup quarterbacks and your backup backup quarterbacks, hey, we're gonna do whatever we think we can. Well, I wasn't second guessing. I was just just curious more than more than anything else. Just wanted to get some clarification on it. Uh, others were second guessing. I know that from checking my Twitter feed and, uh, and mentions uh, during the game. And, and, and no, no, Plots didn't get much help on that sequence. Much like Patu didn't get much help the first couple series that he played. Ben Urosik with the drop of a ball that he should have caught over the middle uh, early in the game that would have helped move the chains for the Cardinal. Still a bit of a surprise, though. And it, it, it kind of cements Jack West standing in the quarterback rotation, it seems. So suddenly you had Stanford rotating its third string quarterback, who's more of a situational guy and isn't a threat to consistently throw the ball downfield. And its fifth string quarterback was Bo Nelson. Uh, the six-string quarterback who wears number 27, was, did he make the trip? <laughs> I was actually legitimately wondering that uh, as the second half went along. So your third-string QB and your fifth-string QB with the fourth-string QB, the guy that you started, on the bench with an injury. Shaw was asked how many reps Plotz was able to get in practice this week. Not very many. Not very many, you know, we put it on our older guys. They just have to know, uh, and we've kept it simple. It's a pretty simple game plan. Um, but Ari took the majority of the reps all week. We needed to, to try to get him ready to play as a true freshman. Um, and I thought Ari had a good week of practice. Once again, not perfect, but uh, I thought a good week of practice. Um, thankfully he was here uh, as an early enrollee, which kind of gave him the opportunity to, to know what to do before we ever started the summer. Came out, had a good summer, had a really good training camp. And went out there and he missed a couple, but but Doug on he made a couple also. Um, they made some nice plays with his legs. Hopefully you get a chance to see what this young man can be uh, once he has some more uh, some more time under his belt. Um, but then once we lost Ari, hey, you know we know the plays that Dylan can run and we know the plays that I can run, and we went out there and just tried to play and try to find a way to score points. Yeah, so your fifth string quarterback didn't really get a lot of reps because a lot of it was being placed on the shoulders of the fourth string quarterback who was prepping for a starting role on the road. It's just mind-melding when you, when you think about it. That being said, after those initial two throws that Plotz and Stanford would love to have back, he did okay. You did all right. Terrific throw to Jurassic down between the hashes uh, in the fourth quarter on Stanford's uh, second touchdown drive, and a strong completion to Nate Pete a few plays after that. So a couple of nice throws from Plotz for completions. Houston Haymuli on how all three quarterbacks fared from his perspective. I, I applaud the way they all played. Um, you know, Ari and, and Dylan, you know, this is their uh, you know, first, having their feet wet in, in, in big games in, in, in college football. And I'm proud of where they, um, you know, they, they fought and obviously they have room to grow. Um, they don't applaud, so I was happy to see him out there too. Um, finally, you know, gained some reps, gained some snaps. Um, he's a senior and, and finally got his chance. And Isaiah, love the way he attacks the run, love the way he attacks. Um, you know, he, he came out with a lot of confidence in what he did. Um, and when things didn't go wrong or, or didn't go right, you know, I loved how he responded, which was, you know what, that play's done. He kind of throws out the window, and then he goes and moves on. Um, 
So I liked how they all played. And Ari, you know, he 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 fought. He took the yards he can on his own two legs when he needed to and uh, slung the ball when he needed to. So I was really proud of the way those three three quarterbacks fought today. That's Houston Haymouli. And, and look, obviously not an ideal situation. Um, <laughs> I was talking with my wife after the game. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, you know, when you're playing – play your third, fourth, and fifth street quarterbacks is not an ideal situation. And she says, well, what, when is it an ideal situation when you're playing those guys? And I was like, yeah, yeah. My wife is very astute, folks. But obviously not an ideal situation uh, when you're playing your third, fourth, and fifth string quarterbacks. It never is. And obviously not an optimal performance when you're playing your third, fourth, and fifth string quarterbacks. It's, it's kind of hard to expect all those guys to, to go out and play lights out. That being said, I did like the concepts, and I did like the play calls for the most part uh, that uh, all those guys were, were were tasked with executing. And all three settled down and played better as their afternoons went along. All that being said, this team's chances of getting in the win column increase maybe exponentially when Tanner McKee's taking snaps. Let's flip it over to the other side. And uh, we mentioned uh, the four-man front that uh, Stanford unveiled against Oregon State that that had some successful points. And you could see that Stanford had played better against the run for the most part. I mean, a, a, a low bar was certainly set against against Utah, but 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 still. So the four-man front had its, had its strong points and, and some things that I think the fellows can point to on the tape and say, hey, okay, this was, this was certainly a lot better than, than, than Sanford has shown at other points this season. But that being said, the missed tackles helping to do the Cardinal in, more on that in a, in a, in a bit. And unfortunately, some numbers that are very, very troubling on the defensive side for Stanford. Against Oregon State, Stanford had 18 chances to get off the field on third down or fourth down. And despite that big stick by by Gabe Reed, that big stop that gave the Cardinal the ball and a chance to to make a two-score game, a one-score game in the third quarter, despite that, those 18 chances, Stanford could not get off the field on 12 of them. Oregon State staying on schedule, more on that in a second, and able to stay on the field with third down and at times fourth down conversions. And I was tracking, after I saw uh, Stanford punt in the second quarter to pin the Beavers deep inside their own territory, uh, Oregon State actually started at their own three-yard line. And after that happened, I was like, wait a minute, let me go back here. And I started, you know, as I was watching the game and keeping an eye on that, I was also tracking and going back through the numbers, back through all the other games that Stanford has played so far this year, because I was curious to see how many times Stanford had punted and had the punt down deep inside their opponent's territory, but it still resulted in a score for the opponent on the ensuing drive. And even though Oregon State went from the three-yard line and missed a field goal, they still got in scoring position. So I went back and I looked at those numbers. And here's what happened. Here's what I came up with. 
Stanford is down 12 punts inside their opponent's 15-yard line this year. 12 punts inside their, own, inside their opponent's 15. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, actually. Now, here's where it gets really rough. Stanford's defense in those 12 opportunities has forced just one three and out. Just one time. Came against UCLA. Only one time Stanford is, has forced their opponent to go three and out after downing a punt inside their opponent's 15-yard line. They've allowed six scores. Five of them touchdowns. And overall, Stanford has allowed four drives of 90-plus yards this year. Four times Stanford has allowed drives of 90-plus yards. That's incredible. And the numbers about Stanford punting inside the opponent's and having it down inside the opponent's 15-yard line and Stanford allowing six scores, five of them touchdowns in, in that instance, that doesn't include Stanford going for it on fourth and goal at the Vanderbilt 2, getting turned away, and then the Commodores putting together a 98-yard touchdown drive. That doesn't include those numbers. That's not included. So mind-blowing stuff. And again, Oregon State didn't score after being pinned way, way back inside their own territory, but still, they had a chance to score. They had a chance to do so. And that has been the case more often than not, unfortunately, when Stanford and David Shaw have chosen to play play defense in field position. They get the field position. They don't get the defense. But this game, I'd like to make a case, was lost defensively on second down. We talked about third and fourth down. Yeah, that was tough. That was, that was really rough. But this game may also have been lost on second down. You hear coaches talk about the importance of, of staying on schedule, getting manageable yards on first down, manageable yards on second down, getting yourself in position so you can be in third and three or so. Getting in a good position to try to move the chains. What happened there between Stanford and Oregon State? Here's what happened. Oregon State had 24 second downs. 24 second down plays throughout the course of the game. Stanford allowed Oregon State to pick up one yard or less four times. Four times on, on, on those second downs. With one negative play, one tackle for loss. Oregon State on second down gained five yards or more 10 times. 10 out of 24. When they needed to go from second and eight plus to third and three or less, Oregon State was able to do that seven times. Seven times they went from second and long to third and short. Overall, Oregon State ended up facing third and three or less seven times. And overall, Oregon State turned second down into first down seven times. So, yes, Stanford had its struggles on third and fourth down, but quite honestly, they also struggled on second down too, especially in a wicked stretch in the third quarter when the Beavers turned second and 12 into third and two, second and six into third and three, second and 11 into third and three, second and 10 into first and 10, 
second and ten, into third and two, and second and two into first and ten. You want to make the case that Sanford lost this game on second down, I'd be more than willing to listen to that. And oh, by the way, missed tackles along the way, especially on that long touchdown uh, for Oregon State. Jimmy Wyrick and uh, Nicholas Toomer each missing tackles. And then Noah Williams and Kendall Williamson got outrun to the end zone with Ethan Bonner taking a bad angle on the whole play. And when you see that many missed tackles, especially the way those missed tackles are happening, that tells me that, and I this isn't breaking news here, but this team is banged up and it's worn down. Especially defensively. They're just banged up, and they're completely worn down. Heck, uh, the inside linebackers, Jacob Mangum Ferraro and Tristan Sinclair, they have two healthy hands between the two of them. Mangum Ferraro has one hand in a cast. So does Tristan Sinclair. He's got a hand in the cast, too. That can't be ideal for trying to, to tackle people. And Levani DeMooney. Completely healthy, at least his hands are anyway. I'm sure he's got some 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 big time bumps and bruises. And Ricky Miezon wasn't able to go at all against the Beavers. So defensively, you know, the numbers aren't great, and some of the situations aren't great. With the Cardinal giving up long, long, long drives that that prevent Stanford being able to at least keep the field position facet of the game and to win the field position part of the game. And then injuries left and right throughout that have, dis- that have decimated uh, some, some, some position units on this squad. Secondary has never been 100% healthy, by the way. So offensively and defensively, things were better than they were against Utah. But again, that's, that's a pretty low bar. That was a pretty low bar that the Cardinal had to clear there. But it still resulted in a loss. Fifth in a row for Stanford. And now it's all for the X. I mean, yeah, Stanford does have the, the season finale against Notre Dame on November 27th. I'm not even thinking about that game right now, quite honestly. It's for the X. It's for the X. It's to keep the X at Stanford. And if any of the any of the players, any of the student athletes need any motivation for this one, <laughs> David Shaw thinks that they're in the wrong business. Uh, if you're not motivated to play the big game, then you shouldn't play. Don't care what the records are. Don't care what's going on. Um, there's a trophy on the line. And uh, our guys got to come to play next week so we can keep that trophy at home. Yeah, Cal at three and six, and they obviously did not play this week. They were scheduled to play against USC and host the Trojans. Uh, up in Berkeley, but but COVID issues just just decimating uh, Cal and, and and forcing them to from from being able to 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 field a team against the Trojans last week and and Cal head coach Justin Wilcox, you know I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was telling uh, late in the week last week when he was talking with the media and he noted all the layers of the COVID protocols. And he said, look, our team has has followed every one, but all the layers of the COVID protocols from the CDC. The state of California, Alameda County, the city of Berkeley, the NCAA, and the Pac-12. Wilcox said, and this is a quote here, it can get confusing where one ends and the other begins. 
So, so just a really tough set of circumstances for the Bears for the past week and a half. And Wilcox is confident that his guys can go for big game. Will Stanford, will, will Cal rather have all hands on deck? <laughs> will Stanford have all hands on deck? Still a lot to be decided. Most important thing is the axe, as there is a trophy at stake. Well, remember when the David Shaw, after the Oregon game, said, hey, look, as nice as this was, there's no trophy for beating Oregon. There is a trophy for beating Cal. And it's at stake this Saturday at Stanford Stadium. As always, I like it when I hear from you out there and hear your thoughts and, and, and your questions on Stanford football, on Stanford athletics. Best way to do so is to hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast. Uh, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter, too, at Troy Clarity. Last name is uh, spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. Always appreciate it as well when you subscribe to the show, when you rate and review the program, um, when you listen to the show, and when you share the show as well. And we'll come at you again on Thursday with a complete and total preview of the big game. Looking forward to bringing it to you later on this week. You heard from David Shaw. You heard from Stanford fullback Houston Haymooley. Thanks to them. And special thanks to you for joining us on the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay sane. Back the pack and back the vac. Talk to you Thursday on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network.